1: from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 18. You may locate this text in your pew Bible on page 1034. First, let us prepare our hearts to hear God's word. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. But take thought for what is noble in sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all.
0: Thank you, Tyler. My friends Cheryl and Steve live in Atlanta and last week Cheryl received a Thanksgiving list from her mom. They live in Santa Barbara, California. Her mom and dad are traveling today to end up in Atlanta to spend the week with them. Uh, Her mom's Thanksgiving list is not a list of food. Her mom's Thanksgiving list, she said uh, in her email, I'm sending this to you because I would like it to be a nice Thanksgiving. Uh, Her list is a list of the topics that they will not discuss during their stay with Cheryl and Steve there in Atlanta because it needs to be a nice Thanksgiving. So I asked Cheryl, what precipitated this list? And she said, well, this summer, they were visiting her folks there in Santa Barbara. And her husband, Steve, and her dad, Bill, they were golfing together. And there on the course, Bill turned to his son-in-law and said, so are are you watching the circus of all these Democrats who are trying to run for president? And uh, Steve said, yeah, actually, I'm kind of leaning toward Bernie Sanders. And Bill was appalled. He said to his son-in-law there on the golf course, you, you cannot possibly be supporting that man. He is a communist, and he's not even an American. <laughs> and Steve said, uh, well, Bill, um, actually, he identifies as a socialist, which is very different from communism. And uh, he's a US senator. And last time I read the Constitution, You kind of have to be an American citizen to be a member of the United States Senate. Bill responded, well, I don't care that you think there's a difference between communism and socialism. There really isn't. They're both un-American. And further, that guy is a senator from Vermont. And that's so far north up there, all those people, they're actually Canadians. (laughs) And they shouldn't vote in the election anyway. It went downhill from there. (laughs) That's why Cheryl got the list last week. Her mom said, I would like it to be a nice Thanksgiving. A number of us, we understand the calling for a list in these days. Um, A firm that does research on religion and the public, it's actually called the Public Religion Research Institute As of last month, they said a record 74% of Americans, three-quarters of the nation's adults, say we are not just polarized, we are in the extreme polarization category. This Public Religion Research Institute says they have never seen numbers like this before. Uh, Last year in the scientific journal, Some researchers used data from 10 million cell phones, and they layered that with voting records and voting districts, and they said that from 2016 to 2017, the amount of time people spent at Thanksgiving dinner decreased by 25% a quarter of us who traveled to Thanksgiving dinner somewhere spent 25% less time at that dinner a year after the presidential election. We're not just polarized. We're polarized in the extreme. Hence, Cheryl's mom's list. I understand her desire for a nice Thanksgiving what's interesting is the Apostle Paul also gives us a list you heard Tyler read it beautifully this is the Apostle writing to the Christians the fledgling Christian community in Rome the capital city of the Empire They're trying to understand how they live together, this group of Jewish and Gentile Christians. And he has a list that he offers to them. Paul's list starts with, let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. It's an amazing list. Do not be haughty, but choose to associate with those who are lesser than you. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not return evil for evil. But take thought of that which is noble in the eyes of all. It's an amazing list. If you'll permit me, I would like to share with you my own personal Thanksgiving list. My own personal Thanksgiving list would start first and foremost with prayer. When I taught at Columbia Seminary after I was given tenure, I was elected to serve on the Faculty Evaluation Committee. This is the committee of faculty members who meets together and decides what we're going to recommend to the Board of Trustees for colleagues who are seeking tenure or seeking promotion from assistant professor to associate professor to full professor. It's an important committee. It was an honor to be on that committee. It's also an arduous task because you're dealing with colleagues and their lives. One of my colleagues came up for tenure, and we thought on the committee it was going to go very well. And as part of the process, we extend an invitation to the faculty to also share their comments. And a senior faculty member in her area wrote a scathing evaluation of her. He said that her academic work, her scholarship is shoddy that she is earning a reputation as being a poor teacher, that she should not be tenured at Columbia Seminary. And he decided to make this public by sending a copy to the entire faculty. She was devastated. She did not talk to him for six months. He didn't talk to her for six months. We were a small faculty, there were only 42 of us. It took work for them to avoid one another. I spoke to each of them individually and tried to get them to talk to one another. Their rift was breaking up the faculty. It was hurting our collegium. I asked them to care for one another and they could not. She was too hurt and angry and he was mad at us because we eventually voted to give her tenure and the Board of Trustees approved that. It was the spring, and we were having a faculty lunch. He was across from me, and there was a seat open next to him. And she came in, and she surprised us all. She sat down right next to this colleague, and looking at him, she said, good afternoon, professor. He was startled. He looks back at her and he said, begrudgingly, good afternoon, professor. It was the first time I'd seen them talk to one another in six months. Later on that day, I saw her on the quadrangle on campus and I went up to her and said, I saw what you did at lunch, that was amazing. What happened to you? And she said, I've been praying for six months. I've been praying the entire time, oh God, help my colleague understand how he is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, please give some insight and wisdom to this colleague of mine, because clearly he's lacking both. And she said, just a few weeks ago, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you're praying for the wrong person. You should be praying for yourself. She said it changed her heart. She began to pray differently. Whenever she would see him, whenever she would think of him, she would say in her heart, "O oh Lord, help me to see him as your child. Help me to see that he too is a child of the living God, just as I am. She said it changed how I viewed him. That's how I was able to sit down next to him at lunch and greet him as a professor. My Thanksgiving list, Thursday, you're across from that person and he starts to open his mouth and talk crazy talk. You sit there and you pray. You do not pray, oh Lord, help him to stop talking as soon as possible. You do not pray, O oh Lord, please instill in him some modicum of wisdom, because he obviously has none. You stop praying for him, and you pray for yourself. You say, O oh Lord, help me to see him as a child of yours just the way you see him. Help me, O oh Lord, to see him as a child just as I am. A child of grace, living with you. The first thing on my list, pray. Not for the other person, but pray for yourself. Uh, the second thing on my list, uh, language. Uh, a friend of mine is Joyce Mercer. She teaches at Yale Divinity School. Joyce was telling me that she had a friend of hers that just devastated their relationship, and all Joyce could think about was all the problems in her relationship and how short-sighted she was and how difficult she was a person with whom to be in relationship. Joyce said whenever she thought of her, all she could think of were all the problems. She said, I was thinking critically. Joyce reminded me that those of us who are Western thinkers, we've been trained that way. Those of you who have advanced degrees, any degree, we're trained to think critically. Someone makes an opinion, someone states something, our job is to try deconstruct it. We're taught, we're trying to figure out how how can i find fault in your logic we're trying to be critical in our inquiry she said the holy spirit was talking to me in prayers and said joyce why are you always thinking first what's wrong with her why don't you appreciate first joyce said i began to appreciate before i could think about what's wrong with her i thought about well i appreciate that she's a great mom she really is she's a great mom to her kids i appreciate that she's a great wife Her husband, I don't like very much either, but she's great with him. I appreciate that she's trying her best to follow you, O Lord. I appreciate that she's trying to be a disciple just like I am. Joyce said it changed her. I appreciate before criticism. First thing, pray. Second thing, the first words out of your mouth on Thursday, I appreciate I appreciate that you have an opinion that's different from mine. (laughs) I appreciate that we're at this table together. I appreciate that I'm your sibling, or your daughter, or your parent, or your friend. I appreciate. Joyce says it changes everything. Third thing, next words after I appreciate, help me understand. A few weeks ago, we had a a person here from Kansas City's Conflict Resolution Center. And she said this phrase, help me understand, is the number one coaching phrase that these leadership gurus are offering to chief executive officers of corporations, to chief financial officers, chief operating officers. She said this phrase is being treated as gold among leadership around the world. Leaders who stop and say to persons with whom they're in conflict, Help me understand she said it changes the whole relationship this counselor from Kansas City's Center for Conflict Resolution said you use that phrase suddenly you're in a different posture you aren't in competitive posture you're actually in a congenial posture you're saying help me understand not help me understand how you can possibly be such an idiot that's not it Help me understand how you've come to such passion around this. Help me understand how you see things so differently than I do. Help me understand. My Thanksgiving list, pray. Second, I appreciate. Third, words out of your mouth, help me understand. And then... Apostle Paul says, Let love be genuine. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor to one another. Live in harmony with all. The Apostle Paul says, Love. Love. It's more important than you being right it's more important than i persuading you to see the world as i do on my thanksgiving list i want us to pray i want us to say i appreciate i want us to say help me understand and i just want us to love just love so while i was teaching at columbia seminary i was invited to be the guest preacher at saint andrews presbyterian church in tucker georgia just north of seminary where i was teaching it's a suburb of atlanta I preached that morning in worship, and then I said I would teach the combined middle school and high school Sunday school class. And so I walked into Sunday school class after preaching. There was a young man there named Ben, 13 years old, dark hair, handsome kid, gangly, I soon was to discover very socially awkward. Ben looked up at me and said, hey. I said, hi. He said, you're the preacher this morning. And I said, yeah, I was. And he said, you did okay. Okay. <laughs> I said, thank you. Who are you? I'm Ben. Then he announced, socially awkward, I'm on the spectrum. Okay, that means I'm autistic, in case you don't understand. Okay, they call me high functioning. All right, that means I talk a lot really, really well, but I miss social cues. Okay, so if you're giving me a social cue right now, I don't get it. Okay, thank you, Ben. I don't make friends very easily. All right. Kids my age think I'm weird, okay. I do better with adults, but not in a creepy way. Thank you, Ben. This is Ben. I loved him right away. He was funny and quirky and smart. His mom told me later, she sent me a note, that on the way home from church, he recited verbatim my entire sermon. She said, thanks, Ben, I heard it too. During the course of the week, he kept on telling her over and over again some of the things I had said in Sunday school. He would send me notes every once in a while and I would respond. When he was a junior at Tucker High School, he had an assignment where he had to shadow somebody who's doing their work, so he called and said, could I shadow you? And I said, oh, Ben, you're welcome to, but I'm, I'm a teacher at a seminary. I don't think my day is very exciting. He said, well, it's a school, right? And I said, yeah, it's a school for adults, for ministers. And he goes, well, that's okay. It's a school, so I expect to be bored. (laughs) And I said, okay, come on. We had a great day together. Ben actually was the lead teacher for the youth ministry class that day. He sat in the middle, and they just peppered him with questions, and he gave them all his answers. Ben ended up graduating from Tucker High School. He discovered that the University of Nevada, Las Vegas has an undergraduate degree in game theory. So he went to UNLV. I do not understand what that means. He discovered after he got there that after just a few months at school, he could actually drop out, do six weeks of dealer school, and get a job at a casino and make more money. So he dropped out of college, got into a dealer school, and sure enough, got a job at one of the casinos on the Vegas Strip, making a bunch of money. He also found a girlfriend for the first time in his life. Last I heard, Ben was doing great. So I was startled when Sandra called his mom. Her voice was teary. And she said, Roger, I just wanted you to know last week we lost ben and i said sandra i'm sorry what he's in vegas and she goes no roger we lost ben i said sandra i'm sorry i don't understand and she said roger i i think i think it got too hard for him sandra what got too hard roger i think i think life got too hard for ben Roger, last week, Ben ended his life. Sandra, what? Um, He messed up with his girlfriend and she dropped him. And then he was distraught about that so he didn't go to work and they fired him. And I think, I think it just got too hard. Sandra said the last conversation they had, they were yelling at each other over the phone she was so mad she said i was so mad that he messed up with his girlfriend i was so mad that he he missed work and got fired i was so mad that he dropped out of college i was just so mad sandra said i wonder i wonder if you would if you would help in his service his memorial service the service of witness to the resurrection at church i said i'd be honored we had a marvelous service We told stories, we laughed and cried, we celebrated Ben. We told him how much we loved him, how much we missed him. Sandra told me after the service, the one regret she has is that when she was yelling at him and he was yelling back at her over the phone, when they hung up, she didn't say to him, Ben, you know I still love you. She said, Roger, I so wish I had said those words. I said, Sandra, you know this. You know right now that Ben is in the arms of Jesus. And you know that he is happy and at peace. And you know he knows in the core of his heart that his mom loves him. You know that. He said, I do. I just wish I had said that to him. More important than your being right, more important than than my persuading you to think like I do. Just love. Just love. The same apostle who wrote this list in Romans, he wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, now these three things abide, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org and we invite you to join us again next week.